Welcome, listeners, to a podcast that seeks to ignite the flames of inspiration and empowerment within the ServiceNow community. I'm Farah Wells, your host and the director of Linking Humans, the number one global partner for ServiceNow recruitment. Join us on this journey as we venture deep into the world of ServiceNow leaders, discover the very essence of their motivations and the unique mindset that paved the way for their remarkable success. Hey, so welcome everybody. Now today we've got an amazing guest. I'm so excited to have this person today uh, joining us. He is actually the co-founder of an elite ServiceNow partner, which is called Rangu. Now, among his many achievements, he was recognized for launching ServiceNow professional services in the Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg regions. And with this, he made a huge impact in the contribution to the growth of the ServiceNow ecosystem in Europe. So thank you so much, Rob, for joining us today. No problem. Really pleased to be here. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's amazing to have you on. So look, Rob, I mean, your, your history, I don't know if anyone's looked you up on LinkedIn, but your, you know, your history is so amazing and so inspirational to many. Um, can you just share with us a little bit about your background journey, like how you even first got introduced to ServiceNow and how you've kind of reached to get to the great success that you've, you've got at the moment with, uh, particularly with the current position? All right. So um, ServiceNow, I first came across ServiceNow when I was working for IBM. Um, and we were looking at tooling, actually, what you'd call now service mapping. So, you know, at IBM, we had, uh, and I'd work with Tivoli Discovery Manager and other tools, but we were really struggling to be able to join that up into services. And we were looking for tools that could do that. Um, it was back in the days before you had developer instances and you basically contacted sales and then they could give you an environment to look at. And that was in 2010. Um, ended up that we didn't go with ServiceNow as a solution at that time, although IBM now do use ServiceNow um, for many of their operations and activities. But uh, we ended up building something as a, as a stopgap. But I kept in touch with the ServiceNow folks. And I think it was around 2011, 2012, some positions were coming up and they were looking at opening an office in the Netherlands. So I, I left my current position and, and joined ServiceNow. Um, yeah, I think in around 2012, and a lot of people thought I was mad because ServiceNow wasn't really known. They had a tiny, tiny little office in the Netherlands, like a shared space in a Regis building. And uh, I remember a lot of my co-workers thinking, like, what are you doing? You know, because I had a reasonably decent thing going on um, where I knew people, I had lots of good projects. Um, but yeah, I took a gamble and never looked back and then... Coming back to what you said, um, you know, I did that with a plan. So I went into that, you know, ServiceNow, we're getting ready to IPO. Uh, There was clearly a big buzz around what they could do. And I was already thinking about it as a platform, although back then it was really around ITSM and discovery. But, you know, the potential of the platform was just clear. It was something I wanted to be part of, had to be part of. Um, But already with a mind of they're going to need an ecosystem. You know, so part of my thinking was already on the entrepreneurial spirit I've had inside me since I was a kid, really. So, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it up. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And, you know, like back then, like, you know, a lot of people might not even understand what an ecosystem 
would have looked like like what vision did you have like what could you envisage happening with the platform you could clearly see that the platform had the potential because i got to know the platform really at a platform level and i've done that throughout my career history and we might talk about that during this uh, conversation but um really it was the fact that you could see it had been really well thought out uh, i'd been doing a lot of cloud work at IBM looking at highly virtualized environments. Um, so I could really see, you know, there hadn't been innovation in the ITSM space for a long time. You know, a, you know we were using tools that had been around a while. Uh, the platform was built from the ground up. I was lucky enough to have access to the source code for my first couple of years at ServiceNow, mainly because the documentation wasn't there. So you just literally had to go in and, and look and figure it out. But the ecosystem when I joined, there was a, and I can only really talk for the region that I was primarily focused in. I think the US was probably more mature. So there was one main partner here um, in the Netherlands um, that had done most of the ITSM work, one, maybe two. Um, but it was really early on. Um, there, was, there was no professional services based in the, in the Netherlands or, and, and even in Germany, you know, one of the largest economies in Europe. There was a small team there and I was brought in to kind of, what was it they said, bring some wisdom to the team, which I found out later meant they needed an old guy to give them credibility. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, it was, a re, it was a, a, an amazing time. I mean, I'll give you an example of how mature it was not, you know, the, the big head office in Amsterdam where there's hundreds of people working. You know, we literally carried our desks in and it was 10 of us in that whole building. Wow. Um, that, that was how early it was. And we'd spend a lot of time with partners. I mean, it was all around growing the ecosystem. And it was clear from the beginning that ServiceNow couldn't do it alone and the partners were going to be key to what we, what we needed to do. And there's some partners that I've worked really close with. I won't go into the names here, but I've got a lot of love for what goes on in the ecosystem. Even though, you know, I have a, a company I've invested time and, and, and money into of my own. Uh, and we meet out on the street for healthy competition from time to time. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, sounds fantastic. So, yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, obviously to kind of achieve that, you know, especially what you did, uh, Rob, you know, I think, you know, it takes a very special mindset, right? Or, or even I'd say attitude. So what, how can you describe the mindset or attitude that's been instrumental in your journey to the top? Like, how did it develop? How do you even maintain it? Well, I mean, so... <laughs> I've never really been a kind of um, typical career type person. I've always hunted. It's always been about technology and solving problems with technology, whatever that technology is. So it happens right now. I'm in love with the technology of service now, but also still keep involved with other technologies because what I really, really love is technology. And it comes from a very young age of having some great experiences when I was younger, uh, mostly right place, right time, um, you know, but it's a combination of just my natural love of technology and wanting the freedom to be able to pick the work I do and work with the technologies that I want to work with, which have led me to repeatedly start things of my own. You know, even when I've had a full-time job, I've talked to HR to see if I could do something, build a website for someone or whatever. I've always, you know, really been committed to solving problems with technology. Um, yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah. 
I think that I think that that must be where it really comes. Everything it's all driven by that. It's all driven by solving problems. It's the energy that I have when I get up in the morning and why I do what I do when I'm working with the folks at Rangu. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. I mean, you know, sometimes people might see solving, you know, issues as problems. How do you kind of flip it to kind of go? Well, actually, it's a passion. I love it. it, it, it you know. It, I'm inquisitive about it. Like, how, how do you get that into your head? I think, I think that's, you know, for me at least, it's like a natural thing. I love solving problems, primarily ones that are to do, you know, where technology can be part of the solution. But I, I don't know if that's normal or not, but I, I see problems as, as a challenge, an opportunity to solve something. And that, now, even now, not being as hands-on as I used to, but I still do get hands-on involved which might be odd for some, you know, some people might think, you know, as a founder, you don't roll up your sleeves. Well, I actually do. Uh, I'm involved with customers every day. I'm still looking at scripts occasionally and, and doing hands-on techie work, not as much as I'd maybe like to. Um, but, but that stuff still gets me really excited, as well as the strategic and the building a business part. Um, I like the satisfaction of seeing people happy, hopefully. And even when they're not, that's even more of a challenge. So how do we how do we get these people that aren't happy to be happy with this wonderful platform um, that we're lucky enough to have at our disposal, right? Yeah, that sounds that sounds brilliant. And it's, it's that passion for the platform; it just comes through. So, you know, there was one thing that you mentioned which is really interesting. You said it's um, it's something that's in you from a really young age. Um, like, do you think you had any influences when you were younger that kind of got you really interested in technology and, and got you perhaps on the path that you are on today? Yeah, massively. Um, so family connections is probably where it all started. Uh, when I was growing up, like really young, um, one of my uncles was, was heavily involved in computers, whatever they were called back then. You know, there wasn't a PC. It was before personal computers even. My uncle Brian, Brian Weaver, he wrote a book that we all used at school. So if you were doing computer science, because that's all it was called back then, um, I, I don't want to give away my age. I'm an old guy. But way back <laughs> around the time of the first PCs, uh, a family member of mine was doing a lot of research and heavily involved in making sure that all schools had some form of computer and all kids got access. Uh, he was part of writing a language um, called Logo. So I got access to that very young, um, and he taught me how to program. He encouraged me to follow it, uh, which I did. Um, he gave me my first computer, which was a re research machines, 380Z, a big black box that had a floppy disk. And I wish I still had, you know, that, that thing went long ago. So, so that's really where it started. I don't think if it wasn't for Uncle Brian, who knows, but he seemed to untap a natural talent I had, and I just fell in love with basically coding for, for years. That's what I did. I was a developer, I think for about 10 years, that was being paid to do it. But before I was being paid, you know, all the typical stuff, I built an application for my local video store. It was like uh, what became a kind of Blockbusters. I think Blockbusters might have even acquired them, but the local video store, um, I entered competitions like where you would literally send your code on printed paper through the mail and into magazines. It was, that, that's pretty much what I did. And then I, after that, I was really lucky. Uh, I worked at NatWest Bank with just an incredible group of people. 
um, got on one of their trainee programs, had amazing experiences. I mean, that was just an incredible place to be. And that led me to moving to New York or spending a lot of time in New York, five years working for IBM, um, building out something that is like ServiceNow. And it was a service desk, service manager product from, from IBM that pretty much got replaced everywhere by ServiceNow. Um, and my manager there, a um, lady called Jolene, was just amazing. And pretty much so those two people, between my uncle and my manager at IBM while I was in the States, just she just opened up my world. The empowerment and the trust, things I got to do as a relatively young, inexperienced person, the trust that was placed in me to, to build out a really serious product, right? I mean, I was building core functionality that was going to be used by enterprises all around the world and uh, just the sense of empowerment and the freedom I had to, to build and code uh, and have ideas and, and run with them and innovate, basically to innovate. That sounds incredible. And it, it, do you think that that's like a management style that you've learned from yourself? And I think so. Try and give other people. Yeah, yeah, I think working with Jolene, like as a young, you've got to remember, I was quite young. I, I literally left the UK and went to upstate New York. And one day I was working in London and the next, you know, after a weekend of travel, I was at an office as a 20-something-year-old. Um having to perform and code. And I managed to solve some problems they had real quick. And I think that won some confidence. I, you know, I've always loved integrations, even with ServiceNow. And definitely what I learned there has influenced my management style, without a doubt. But also there's more people. So, you know, what I try, I, I want to learn as much as I can. Um, so if I'm in an opportunity or in a situation where I can learn from someone, regardless of hierarchies, uh, yeah, I want to take that opportunity. You know, if you look at Rangu, we've hired a, a great CEO, highly experienced and achieved. Now, there's someone I can I can learn from, and I want to learn. Now, I don't think I certainly don't think of myself as being at the pinnacle of anything. Yeah, no, definitely, and that's the thing. Like they always say, you know, you never stop learning. You learn something new every single day, regardless of your age. You know, even when you're eighty you'll learn something new, right? And uh, I suppose that's where the growth comes into it, the growth mindset of always wanting to kind of take that next step forward. So, Well, and I've certainly yeah, wanted there's... to do that for the people that I work with at Rangu, right, to be that kind of leader. I really, we focus heavily on training and growth and developing people. Um, that's something that's really, really key and important to me as well, helping others, yeah, growing other people, amazing. paying back, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, if anything, it's going to grow the platform forward as well because we've got to do people it. come in with new ideas. We, yeah, we've got to people do it come with new ideas. There's not enough people out there. Um, there really isn't. You know, the Next Gen program is just amazing from ServiceNow, ServiceNow Next Gen. And, you know, a great way of, of helping people get into this is via support. It's one of the reasons we started, well, obviously we had a demand for, for support. Um, at Rangu, but support is a great place for people to learn. It's a great place for people to get into the ecosystem. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. So just talking about like the next gen community and even people that are new to service now, obviously there are certifications yeah. that they can go out and, and obtain. What do you think would help them, um, you know, in terms of what certification would you recommend for those starting out in their careers? Starting out, trying to get into the ServiceNow ecosystem, 
Mm. I think you've got to start, you know, the fundamentals in the sysadmin. So I, I think everyone should, if you're working with service. Now, there's things you learn in that. So I redo this training. Um, you know, I actually, you know, I spent a bit of time over a weekend doing a flow designer micro Um A bit, you know, some of it so I can learn something and keep up, but also so that I can be a good coach for the, for the less senior people on the team and actually talk to them with real experience and have an idea of what certs are good and what aren't. Can also feed it back to service now, right? Um, so the certified sysadmin and the advanced sysadmin course that doesn't necessarily have a cert behind it are still really, really good. I think everyone should do those. I'm a big fan of the certification program. I know it's you know hotly debated. Are they valuable? Are they not? I tell you, if we get CVs or I get them and I've got similar kind of looking things, I tend to look at, well, who's put the effort in? Because doing the certifications, you know, it shows commitment. I mean, at the end of the day, then you really have learned. And, and they're the starting point. Right? They're not the end. It's not like once you're certified, you know it all. Um, absolutely not. Experience is a huge part of this. But in my mind, it would take a lot to convince me that the certifications aren't valuable. Um, and I think ServiceNow have done an amazing job with their training. I love now learning. I know it's got its, you know, things that maybe aren't so nice and they redid the UI, but... I mean, the training on now learning is just amazing. They've got, you know, the whole effort that ServiceNow have put into growing this ecosystem and enabling people to be developers, to be admins, to be consultants and implementation specialists, to architects, uh, it's all there for the taking if you're prepared to put the effort in. Um, so, yeah, certifications, I, I'm a real um, believer in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just great, like ServiceNow, it, you know, it's kind of like one place. They don't need to kind of go, right, where do I need to go all over the place? You know, they can go to one central place. Yeah. And like you say, it, it's all there. So, yeah, yeah, which uh, is amazing. And you, yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, I really like, you know, so you, we were talking about people starting out. So, I mean, it's very hard for, for me to put someone on a project if they haven't at least done the certified sysadmin. And then it really depends on what role you want to go, right? It, and where you're coming from. You know, I've seen people that, a bit like myself, that experienced developers have worked with Java apps before and databases. You know, I, I think I picked up ServiceNow. It was much simpler back then. There wasn't all the different products built on the platform. Picked it up pretty quick because of my knowledge of the underlying architecture. So I think if someone's done a platform before or, you know, been around in IT, they can pick it up quicker and they might be able to move on but it, it depends what role you're looking to do really and what plan you've got for your career yeah definitely just you know it's quite a good point you mentioned about roles when people start out they don't necessarily know exactly what role would suit them or what you know what journey they should take like what how do you what's your suggestions like how does someone figure out are they a good pm or are they more better on the technical side or you know what do you think well I think if you, if you want to be technical and you want to go developer or maybe even technical consultant route, I mean, you need to be comfortable with programming and programming fundamentals. So if you don't have that kind of logical mindset and you're struggling with, you know, go through Chuck Tomasi's JavaScript for ServiceNow course and see how easy or difficult you find that. Um, you know, have you done, because there's also learning outside of service now that can help you with that, right? Just knowing if you are, have got the mindset and you are the kind of person that might 
lean towards and into a, a more developer and heavily technical role. Um, that's something that you, you've got to figure out yourself and you can, you, you know, you can get an idea of that by doing training and establishing where you are, what you can do after the training. Um, you know, again, I think, I think support, if you're not sure what you want to do and you've got little experience with ServiceNow, a support role is brilliant because you never know what's going to be thrown at you typically. You have to look all over at different parts of the platform, maybe not application specific. Um, that, that's a really good entry if you're new to this and you're really not sure and you've got limited experience. Um, however, you know, with everything, that might mean you need to take a step back. You know, if you're someone that's looking to reskill and get into the ServiceNow ecosystem, you've maybe been a developer in some other technology for 15, 20 years. I mean, you, you'll be senior there, a senior developer in what you've been doing. That doesn't mean you can just jump over to ServiceNow and consider yourself senior, right? And I've had to do this a couple of times. I'm sure we all do, where you know, I've spent a lot of time in the mountains and learn quite a hard way that sometimes you can't get to the top by just going straight. You literally have to do, do some sideways, maybe even go down a bit and go around and then go back up, and that can go on for a while, right? So there's been times in my career where you know, I took a PHP developer job one time because I, want, I needed to learn about certain technology and I was good at PHP, but I didn't know about the other thing. So I took a step down to then be able to go and do something else after three months, you know. It was um, about having a plan. Have a plan. Yeah. If you maybe don't know what role you want to do in the ServiceNow ecosystem, well, have a plan that allows you to figure that out, which might be to start in support. Um, quite often I find, did you, did you say, you know, if you're not sure if you're a project manager earlier or a PM, was that one of your? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, obviously that slightly different. So it's like, which route should I be an engagement manager? Should I be more from that perspective or should I kind of aim to be an architect or, you know, that that's the kind of difference. You've got to do what makes you happy. I I think, and I'm only talking for myself, right? So I kind of maybe I was like, I knew the things and I actually really like managing projects for us. And I do the engagement role. I do quite a lot of different roles. Been very lucky to have that broad and diverse experience and been in the, in the ecosystem for so long. Um, we've brought in, you know, at Rangu project managers that have had no experience with service now and it's taken them a while, but they've all managed to do really, really well. I mean, so if you're a project manager thinking of getting into the service now ecosystem, Again, there's some, some training out there. There's the Now Create and Success Packs that literally lay out a plan for how to run an engagement. Um, but it's experience on top of that. Yeah. And do you know what? I think what I really liked in that, it was like, do what you really love doing, right? Do something that you enjoy. Because I think if you pick a path that you know you're going to absolutely love, the passion's going to be there. You're, you're naturally going to want to learn all about it and do your best. Um, so I suppose, yeah, it's great advice. It's like, don't force yourself down a route if it's not you, right? Or if you do end up in that route and find out it's not you, like, you know, change it quickly. Don't, don't yeah. sit, you know, like make a decision, move on, realize yeah. that's not going to work. I need to look at something else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's about having that self-awareness, isn't it? And, and having that humbleness as well is that to get to the top, it's not always a straight line. It's, you know, you go sideways, you know, and 
I don't know yeah, if it's like amazing. that for everyone. I mean, it, sometimes when we look on social media, it seems there's this select 5%, but it, that, that, that isn't the case. But I think for us normal folks, right, that we have to accept that you can't get to the peak just in one upward climb sometimes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, you know what? That's sometimes how you learn the best as well, because you, you kind of see a real overview. It's not just a a silo oh, going in one direction. Believe me, right? So I've started a few companies and they're not all on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> and it, things don't always work out, right? In fact, more often they don't in business than they do, it seems sometimes. So um, just keep going, you know, know what you want to achieve, keep trying and, you know, do stuff that makes you happy. I've been really lucky. I've worked with some amazing people and done some incredible projects. And it goes back to where we started. But it's always been driven typically by the technology. I've wanted to learn about yeah. that technology. That's where the ServiceNow thing came in. I wanted to learn about ServiceNow Cloud and this innovation in ITSN. What have those folks done to breathe this new life into IT service management? after years of remedy and other solutions. Yeah, that is incredible. So, you know, it's quite interesting how you mentioned there that, you know, you've, um, you know, you've done a lot in your career. You know, obviously you've got some resilience built in you, right? So, and I think, to be honest with you, for me personally, I think resilience is essential in navigating the ups and downs. Um, how have you personally built resilience? Like what strategies do you employ to kind of, Pick yourself up, right? To bounce back when it's like, oh, I've got a setback, right? How, how do you kind of get your head straight and go, right, come on, let's sort it out? How, how do you bounce back from those setbacks? Um, oh, different ways. <laughs> um, so I think the main one, and it's something that's just baked into my life and has been for many years, is exercise. I know it's such a cliche. Uh, I have... Um, and there's some books about this, you know, I have the kind of 5am routine. So I'm up very early each day. I start my days early. Uh, they have a real routine that involves some exercise. Uh, I walk my dog for half an hour every morning. It's one of the first things I do. Um, and then I typically get in a ride on a, on a race bike, on a trainer. Um, and, and ex that, so, and someone that knows me really well, actually one of the co-founders of Rangu, you see, as such, such a great group of people I get to spend my time with. Um, I've known some of those people a long time too, but they know when I haven't or, or I haven't been exercising enough because I get grumpy. Um, so no, for me, the key thing is, uh, you know, if I have a, something bad happens, like you say, and I need to pick myself up, I, I go for a, ro for a ride. I've been blessed with the fact that I have some really clear things that I really enjoy in life. So I've got the technology and the, the work I do, which I don't even see as work because it's what I love. So it's kind of I get paid to do what I love. And then after that, I've got a few nice hobbies. So, you know, and a lot of them are around sport and activity, typically outdoors, fresh air, away from the screen. Now, I go to bed early. I know it's boring. And I know, like, when I was younger, I was always the guy that didn't stay late at the party because I had things to do the next morning. But... um. For me, it's, it's my resilience comes from rest, exercise. Uh, I'm lucky to have some things outside and next to work. So I switch off, I go for a ride, go for a walk with the dog, go for a walk on the beach, 
go into the forest. I love that. Go snowboarding, go to the mountains. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, they always do say about nature, if you get out, it's almost like you can reset. And it's it's like you're living in that moment, right? You're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're living in that moment there and then. And that can so give clarity and, and clear any heads that you might have. So, yeah, I think it's, it's amazing. That's been, it's a, that's the thing is, it's so easy to say, and I know some people really struggle with this, right? I mean, you know, I, I got like quite a few direct and indirect reports at Rangu, and I've worked with, you know, some large organizations where I've helped them build, you know, a center of excellence for, for service now with 60 sysadmins in eight or nine different teams and been part of that for a few years. And, you know, the work-life balance thing, I think I think we've definitely seen a change since the pandemic. I think maybe it, it's got worse. Okay, so that's amazing. So, look, uh, you know, I think resilience is essential in navigating the ups and downs of a challenging industry. How have you built resilience and what strategies do you employ to bounce back from setbacks? Okay, so I've been, I'm quite lucky in a way that... Um, I've always had like, I'm a very routine person. So I've always had this, this really good routine. Um, I wake up at five, I do exercise. I know it's a real cliche, but for me, the best thing I've found um, to help me at least is um, exercise. And I'm quite lucky that I've got these loves in my life. One of them is technology and a lot of the stuff we've talked about, you know, a lot. Um, but then after that, I'm lucky to have some outdoor things. You know, I have a dog, so I, I walk. I go out and walk every day. Um, I'm really into bike riding, and I live in the Netherlands. So I spend a lot of time in the Netherlands, uh, where bike riding is the norm, and that really, really helps. And um, you know, the people at Rangoon, Rangoon know me so well that they can tell when I've not, or my routine has been upset, and maybe I only got a half-hour workout in rather than the hour that I normally have, and I get a bit grumpy. Um, you know, if I have a bad day, I uh, switch off, go out on my bike or do something outdoors that I like. You know, I love the mountains, really like winter sport. So in that way, I'm quite lucky that I seem to always have these natural outlets and things I can do to reset and refocus me. Um, it's really important to me. Um, you know, I have, to, I have to do those things, otherwise... Um, you know, with all the stresses that so many of us have, uh, I hear about work-life balance all the time from direct reports, indirect reports, people I've worked with. Um, there's always more work than we can do. And some people find it really, really hard to switch off and, uh, and, and refocus and gain their energy again. Um, you know, and obviously I've had times where that's difficult, but I've found repeatedly that for me, good old-fashioned exercise. Yeah. And, and do you know what you, 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 where you live as well sounds incredible, like with the nature, because they do kind of say that, um, you know, if you, if you want to get out of stress, get in with the nature, because when you're there, you're calm, you live in the moment, right? You're not thinking about the past. You're not yeah. thinking about the future. Yeah. And when we're thinking about the past and the future, we're just thinking of issues and problems, right? So I suppose when you're riding your bike, you're just focused on riding your bike in that beautiful surrounding right. and, and forgetting about everything. Right, exactly. I go for a ride through the forest. We've got the Amsterdam forest not too far away. And, um, you know, or I ride to the office. When I do go to the office, obviously most of us, I don't know how it's for you, but we're all mostly hybrid, remote working. 
Uh, but when I do go to the office, rather than use the car, I use the bike. Mm. Yeah. Because no. um, clear, I, t- I get to the office with a completely clear, focused mind. That's amazing. So, yeah, and great advice for anybody, you know. It's, uh, the, it's the basics, right? But we all forget the basics, don't we, at time? And looking after yourself really is really is important. Basic. Yeah. Healthy mind means healthy body too. I'm sorry. I know it's a cliche and it's boring, but um, at least for me, I can't have one without the other. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So, you know, like you're really humble, Rob, right? You know, I have to put it out there. You know, the the way you've achieved so much, it means you've obviously had that ambition. You've had that drive. How, you know, it's how do you manage to stay so grounded and maintain that humility whilst achieving such amazing success i don't know it's a really good question i've thought about this i I think for me it's to do with my family um with such a mix of some very highly educated wealthy all the way down to the other end of the scale so a real mix um you know also the fact that i've you know, I left the UK and I've travelled and worked in many different cultures. I've spent a lot of time in, in Australia as well, where they have a saying about tall flowers get their heads chopped off. You know, so some of the places I've, I've lived and spent a lot of time and have family. Um, if I look at a couple of my brothers in Australia, you know, they're very successful. One of them has a very successful business. But in Australia, you know, you're still a normal bloke. Uh, and he's a really good example to me. You know, he's very successful. You'd never know it. You really wouldn't. He's just a normal, good Aussie bloke. Um, and living in the Netherlands for so long, they, they have a saying about being normal. You know, here it is also a bit like Australia in that way, where it doesn't matter who you are, you should just be normal. Now, that's crazy enough, just being normal. And I think that's even the literal translation of the Dutch saying. Um, you know, I have a Dutch wife. I ride my bike, I do normal things, and okay, I just happened to be the co-founder of a, of a company and had a couple before that and done some great work. I mean, that's what it is. Um, I just try to, to treat everybody's on a journey, right? Everyone's carrying some bag- baggage, has got dreams and plans. Um, so I just try to remember, really, that no matter who you're talking to, we're just, we're just normal people trying to make our way through life. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's really inspirational. Look, on, on a final note, okay, let's think we're back to the future now, right? So let's say if we can go back in a time machine and you could talk to your 21-year-old self, what advice <laughs> would you give him? You know, and honestly, this can be totally non-work related. All right, so the challenge with this question, right, is that if I change the past, then it would have changed my future. And there's some things I've got that I absolutely wouldn't want to give up. So as long as I can answer this question, hypothetically, that I would still keep all the stuff I've got now. Because (laughs) actually, you know, I'm really content with where I am in life. You know, I'm so lucky and blessed. Um, There is one thing that I've had a real challenge with finishing, and I would tell my... 21 year old self to go and finish it and that would be university you know I have followed my love of technology and doing what I love to do and put that first uh, and and I've started a few things and not finished them so there's some real academic I would like to there's some academics I'd absolutely certainly want to tick off you know at some point I will so that would be one thing um I would definitely want to make sure my 21 year old self 
did go ahead with moving and to IBM in the US because that just changed my whole trajectory, right? That was, and I almost didn't do that. I had a friend that literally said, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You come back in a few months. You gave it a try. Because I almost didn't do that. Uh, and I'm so pleased I had that friend that literally said, I'm going to drive you to the airport. You are going to give this a try. These opportunities don't come every day. Um, so I'd make sure I definitely did that combined with finishing off some academics that I still really want to get finished like 30 years later. Yeah. And I'm sure you will definitely like achieve that, which is, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. I need to, here's the thing. I need to finish the things I'm doing. You know, I've got Rangu running. Um, I've got other things at play. Uh, there's always an excuse. So I kind of, at some point, yes, thank yeah. you. Let's leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. You know, there's new service now features to learn, right? What am I going to do? Am I going to do like another implementation specialist training and exam and learn something? There's so much I want to learn on the platform. You know, if, now, if you could spend a few years at university just focused on service now, um, but <laughs> that would give me the perfect excuse. But I'm still very much enjoying learning about this platform. It's going to be around for a while. There's so much still to do with it. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, look, Rob, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you. It's honestly hearing the passion that comes out of you for the platform, um, you know, and, and also hearing how content you are. You know, I just think it's a great example for everybody that, you know, you can achieve all these great things but you just got to love you know you got to have that passion love and, and like you say have that discipline as well you know um the discipline long commitment right and you said it as well do what makes you happy if you're doing things that make you happy you're typically going to be successful it might take a while but you can get there <laughs> yeah. so you can get there. amazing exactly. perfect well thank you so much rob and i hope all our listeners managed to get some golden gems um from rob's uh, valuable advice so thank you once again huge thank you thank you thank you lovely Bye. thanks a lot <laughs> bye